0: Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Welcome, everyone. Here's another episode of the Broad Eye podcast. I'm the host, uh, Bruno Fernandez, and then today I have the honor to have as a guest uh, Bjorn Stenvers, the CEO of the Eye Care Foundation. How are you
1: doing today, Bjorn? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you, indeed. and um, I'm happy to join. Thank you so much for inviting
0: pleasure to have you. I'm excited about our chat. You seem to have a very diverse uh, uh, professional life, so I'm sure there's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, but before we dive into your uh, professional achievements, tell us a bit about yourself, like, I mean, your background uh, and, and where you're born, where you live, then where did you end <laughs> up?
1: <laughs> well, um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born in Arnhem. Uh, many Canadians know Arnhem because of the film the bridge too far, but also because my, many grandfathers maybe fought uh, against uh, against some uh, bad people. Um, so I was born in Arnhem uh, in the Netherlands. And um, from there on, I started my existence. Um, in, the, in the end, I studied in Maastricht, which is in the South of the Netherlands, sort of the Florida in the Netherlands. Um, and I studied uh, maybe too many studies in the end, uh, Uh, because I just love the academic life. And um, that's also why I still teach uh, at several universities, among which uh, Amsterdam and Moscow, Uh, almost now during pandemic on distance and digital. Yeah, and before the iCare Foundation, I used to be a director at the museum department at UNESCO in Paris, um, which is called ICOM. And now I uh, switched to be already since 2018 to be the CEO of the iCare Foundation.
0: Yeah, this is actually pretty interesting because most people we see they're uh, involved like I mean, somehow in the in the, the vision community as as a philanthropist. Uh, they seem to have a background in, in ophthalmology or or anything related to eye care, or they, they themselves like I may mean, have some sort of visual disability or someone they know. So you 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 came from from a very distant professional life there, like taking care of museums to. Being the CEO of a, of a philanthropic ophthalmology organization, so what made you make the change? And you uh, know, what, what was the thing that that drove you like to this?
1: Well, w- when I start with a word uh, called "looking," um, and I I will try to explain via this first word, "looking," um, maybe the similarities. Um, of UNESCO, and now I, of course, belong to the WHO, but also, by the way, with educational programs, uh, sometimes with UNESCO. But I'll try to explain um, that it's not so far off. Maybe looking at the, the, the delivery and the envi- environmental impact, I think if you look at new strategies and crossroads, they are needed, you know, like um, to answer all the needs. And if you look at the SDGs defined by the UN, which also of course embraced by uh, their departments, WHO and UNESCO, uh, they can only be met if we work together. And this is actually my thing, to, to always work together. And both WHO and UNESCO, they, they both aim to become more impact focused, which of course is a, is a strife. Um, but yeah, this is what they do. And, if, if um, issues are not being addressed collectively, it automatically results in in underperforming, which is a horror, of course. And m- museums, as well as the eye care, um, they both face complex uh, complexity on many things like inclusiveness regarding cure, treatment, or uh, let's see, survival in a market-driven, you know, in global society. And is market-drivenness is is a burden. To both I think museums as well as eye care as, as a sector, and you know both they face that they're not up to it yet or that they're always they always have a tensionable relation they need each other they need to learn from each other they need to share with each other things and one sponsors the other but it's always interesting to see these both worlds and for this I don't think that museums and eye care differ that much and
0: the Eye Care Foundation. What are their goals, like in, in terms of doing good? Because like different foundations like do different things, they're focused on different aspects and different needs. So, as far as the Eye Care Foundation goes, like how do they strive like to, to make a difference?
1: Yeah. Well, if you look totally to the end, we of course don't want to be necessary at all. So, if you look look totally to our horizon, we envision, of course, a world where people are enabled. By good eyesight to attain their full potential, and we are not necessary. Anymore. That's you know, the thing. Until that time, <laughs> we, we need a mission. Um, and you, know, you could say that uh, our mission is to eliminate avoidable blindness uh, and vision impairment, which belongs now also to it, in order to support people to become uh, productive citizens, of course, in the countries where they live, and to contribute to the social economic growth of their societies. It's a whole mouthful, but this is sort of what I would say. This is our thing until the time that we are not needed anymore. And um, yeah, you ask about our goals. Uh, Let's—if I will put it in long-term goals. The avoidable blindness elimination is there. You can also calculate them in numbers, of course. For us, we love to be operating in remote areas, and then you know, second long-term goal could be the effective uh, cataract treatments, uh, which are very calculatable, of course, uh, even per eye. Um, And the same we could also do for the refractive error uh, prevention. This is maybe needed to be break up in in a few numbers, but one of them could be screenings. Another one could be to prevent the refractive error either by glasses or by treatment.
0: And I saw that you do most of, I mean, the Eye Care Foundation, right? Like do most of their work in, in developing countries. And how does it work? Like logistically, do you, does the foundation send the team like to do those like missions or uh, do you work with local uh, healthcare providers?
1: Well, since 1984, we already exist um, and we've been founded actually in Nepal by what we today would call experts. Uh, Dutch experts, but in the end we needed a headquarters somewhere else, and and they moved to the Netherlands, where they came from. In 2008, we merged with another foundation who was uh, dealing not only in Nepal, but uh, they dealt with the area of the Mekong Delta, which is in Cambodia and Laos and Vietnam. And after that merge, we immediately had a few countries to take care of in our mission and um, our operation activities, and. Ever since that time, we also have people on the ground in those countries, uh, depending of course on projects because we want to keep our overhead as low as possible. But yeah, we have offices in Tanzania and Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam and Nepal, and in the Netherlands um, due to fundraising activities and awareness preparedness. But what my, as a CEO, I sometimes can have an opinion, even though we do everything collectively together, which is, you know, the, it's the 2021 uh, mentality. So we all do our things together in developing strategies and all that. So what we aim for is a, is a high spending of all we get as fundraising as, and donations that could be on the projects I just mentioned. But sometimes we also need awareness. Awareness is an educational thing. But it could also be to prevent things, but it uh, or to treat eyes better. But it could also be to attract people to our screen camps. And you need to imagine that sometimes we are really up in the mountains or re- remote areas. And I don't think I need to explain to the Canadian people what a remote area is. And uh, we're aware of that. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, but um, but yeah, we also have those in the countries where we are active, uh, especially in. In the Himalaya oh, yeah. uh, or in Tanzania, we have this, and sometimes people need to walk for days to one of our screening camps, which already also those ophthalmologists and uh, supporting staff is also walking already for days, and they meet each other somewhere in the middle. Um, so, either we do that at treatments immediately, but at, at minimum, we try to do the screenings there. Um, yeah, so those kind of things need local staff. And sometimes because you can't be too far off with an office. Um, and we all, in every country, we work actually with uh, local partners. So in Nepal, we, uh, where we also have an office, we also work with local partners in government, but also together with others, we uh, build up uh, one of the biggest hospitals uh, in Nepal, which is the Himalaya Eye Hospital. Actually, it's funny because it's the lowest country in the world, which is the Netherlands, built the highest I high, uh, hospital uh, in the world. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, at least we do these kind of things. But yeah, those those, those activities. Um, so we have an office. From the office, we have partners. And most of the time, those are big hospitals or government um, affiliate. And from there on, we do the remote area uh, support. Which excellent. So that sometimes takes days to achieve uh, people, rich people.
0: And uh, before a project starts in a specific country or region, uh, who initiates the conversation? Is it like the Eye Care Foundation that identifies a, an area in need and then you start reaching out to people that could help? Or is it uh, uh, them that like, can I mean, reach out to, to the foundation asking for help?
1: I have to say... Based on the rich history, um, where I now can um, uh, give give more activities to, and at the Icare Foundation, I have to say that um, we do most of the time work on the need which comes to us. Um, so people ask for a specific project, or uh, they display a need, or they Administer something which is uh, happening uh, uh, somewhere. Then, of course, our country directors most of the time are the first on the on the spot on the on the site, and they have the first conversations. And if their first judgment uh, comes to the conclusion that we need to, you know, um, make it into a project, then first of all they try to um, yeah to to figure out if everything. Our terms are there. What kind of things are not there, and then in the end, they formulate um, or develop a, a project out of it. Is, there, uh, is that an answer to your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it yeah, is yes, And then I have a follow-up question on that. So, so who can reach? Uh, the foundation for help then is it uh like ophthalmologists that see the need or maybe like i mean it's a patient that has sort of like a support group that like mm-hmm. it, it is so is is it is the foundation open to pretty much like anybody that can can reach out to establish like some sort of program or is there a specific uh, uh connection channel and all that for make things happen
1: the basics is everybody, um, mm-hmm. but our experience uh, brought us to an online fill-in program sometimes. Actually, because many people reach us um, and everybody and there's always a person who reaches us. Uh, it could be a person on behalf of an organization or a person who spots something uh, or who has a need of an organization he or she uh, manage. Um, but if I, if I look on a whole, it's most of the time uh, um, an institute or a foundation who is asking for the need. Uh, but sometimes it could be a lion club who together um, wants to build an iUnit unit because they know that in the local area uh, it's needed. And they seek us for you know, content-wise help or they seek us for um, all kind of project advice. So that, that's also sometimes the case. Uh, but most of the time, it's uh, an institute or a foundation. But, and more and more, if I look at the uh, situations uh, during pandemic also, um, I see that it's also the government who knocks on our door. You know, We have, like many NGOs in the ICAS sector, uh, um, we have uh, regular meetings with the ministers of health of every country. One reason is because we always need our permit. Uh, to be active in the country uh, Mm -hmm. to be solid Um, but next to this we also always want to know we can help uh, more Um, and and one compliment I have to say to the eye care sector is that it's one of the most well-organized sectors uh, I ever met in the world Um, everybody knows each other Um, they're all organized within a um, Cluster organization or umbrella organization, which is called the IAPB, the International Preventive Blindness, which is um, a, let's say a, sort of a department at WHO, uh, just for eyes. And because it's so well organized, um, countries they are not divided by the NGOs with the minister, because that will be oligopoly, I think. Um, but if you look and on the whole it is just sitting around the table and who does best and how can we all you know serve the need in the country or the area mm-hmm. and this is where i see that the ngos and igs sector are really working together as i've never seen before not even in the museum sector where where they normally every uh, works together but at the ig sector i've never seen it so competition is not a word in the ICA sector which is interesting
0: yeah, no, indeed. Like the ophthalmological community, it's a, it's a it's a very tight group, a small world. Everybody knows one another all over the world. Uh, so you mentioned that you 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 need permits, like in every country you 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 get into, and uh, obviously the government needs to be involved in that. Do you do they usually? Is is it usually a challenge? Like, I mean, are they usually friendly and helpful, or is it more the or it's more like a like a bump in the road and you know a lot of red tape.
1: Mm. Um, you know, it's 2021. Um, I think the pattern, uh, pattern era is gone. I think the mother area already started. And you know, the listeners are maybe hearing your kids on the background, which I think is a good way of going through the pandemic. You know, working work life balance. Yeah, can't um, avoid them anymore. <laughs> no, 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 because I, I love it. You know, it's fine. Also, listeners, they they have the same situation when they listen to us. Uh, they have the same. So, so that's okay. But if I look, what I would like like and love to leave behind for for that generation, actually, is that um, to leave a better place than than I met it when I came in. And one of the things I see is that this whole matter area is not about. Uh, uh, fighting so much, you know. If I ask my students, what do you think about a border? They sometimes say, you know, it's, it's super old-fashioned. Why should we have this limitation? Uh, everybody knows that it's good for something. But, um, and then if I look at the permits, uh, so I go with this introduction to is your question, an answer to your question. So if I look at the permissions to go inside. Um, and a contract, sometimes in a you know, every, every country is different, but we always meet b- bureaucracy somewhere, um, and and of course a lot of corruption. You need you want to and you need to avoid a lot of times. Um, yeah, sometimes the political situation and the border area thing comes in, um, in in in, in, in uh, and it sometimes limits or is a is a burden on the way uh, of. The activities you want to um, you want to do, uh, you know, I can't mention the, the country. Sometimes you're kicked out of a country because they are at that moment maybe a little bit anti-US uh, because worldwide there is something going on at that moment, and then all the international NGOs are kicked out of a country. This happens on a regular basis, uh, not only on the continent of Asia, but it's also happening in the continent of Africa. Um, yeah, it doesn't help if you want to cure and to support so many uh, people in need. Um, but yeah, sometimes it happens. And, you know, it's not an unfamiliar thing because you, also Canadians watch uh, the news. So, you know, everybody knows what's going on in the world and which kind of politic, uh, political systems do these kind of things. Most of the time it's a hierarchic system. But uh, yeah, it, it happens. But you need to cope with it. You learn how to cope with it and... And then go on with your activities again.
0: That's cool. Uh, more on a personal side, now you're still involved in the museum world, right? You still have roles as as in the boards of like, those uh, associations, yeah. and um, how it is like. I mean, to manage like seemingly different occupations.
1: Now, as I said, you know, um, both sectors face the same market drivenness uh, which <laughs> during pandemic we maybe realize that it's nuts that we that we strive to this market drivenness economy which always needs to grow 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 um, you know back to basic is, is one of those things people mention in many interviews now um, so if I see the museums as well as the eye care for me it's 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 okay to have these two things um, and sometimes work is hard and then you have to Load and charge somewhere else, and sometimes you know, going to a museum, visiting it, uh, like you know, you all do. By the way, I also visit Montreal uh, some years ago uh, when, when my wife was uh, performing there in your just jazz club. Um, so, I also visited you know, your lovely museums uh, and the parks. So, you know, that's also a charging moment. And in my case, I'm very happy and sometimes privileged that I'm also in a board of a museum. Uh, and that means that you sometimes can see the museum at its at its or at its uh, at, the, at the nice moments of a, of an opening or something. Um, yeah, it always gives me um, a pleasure. And looking at art, enjoying art needs eyes. Not always, because I know that many blind people have pro, special programs within museums to also uh, experience uh, museum and. Uh, museums uh, by their hands or by sounds or smell but um, yeah I can enjoy both worlds in a, in a very easy way in a good balance and, yeah, and, and by the way the teaching helps me also to stay sharp because uh, you know students you know we've all been there uh, students are students you know they, they ask that I can't say naive but they, are, they, they keep you at the edge of, of, you know, you always need to update yourself on knowledge. You always, if you don't know, you very quickly need to find out for them. Uh, Their essays are always very good and to the point. So, you uh, know, that's it's and it's easy uh, to to enjoy it because um, you know international life um, and internet and, and also when you work internationally, and then also these students are international that. that also brings new information to town, and, and you can o- use it always. Either the information from from the museums, you can use it for the eye care, and, and and vice versa.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, right, Bjorn. As we are uh, kind of like coming to a wrap. Uh, if uh, so, you talked already about like I uh, mean people that work, right? Like mean, for the Eye Care Foundation, those missions that you have in different countries. Uh, how can people help? Like, I mean, do they need to be an ophthalmologist or eye care professional? Like, I mean, is this, like, what kind of help do you need, and how can they uh, find like I mean, the openings that uh, you have?
1: Well, first of all, I, if I can break it up in a few things, is it okay? Yeah, sure. Take your time. <laughs> um, if 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 I, if I if I break it up in in a few things, so one of the things. What people could really help is by listening to our message and maybe learn from it and treat the eyes better. Because whoever you are, uh, we all will meet things with the eye. Uh, Around 35, 40, you know, people start to get glasses. Maybe on an earlier stage, you already have something. Um, Around the elderly age, you maybe get cataract um etc so we all will face something um to do with the eyes so when you invest in this sector or or in us uh, you just invest indirectly in in your own life Uh, so this is the first thing the second thing i would like to ask if if people get you know um, the information from this program and all the other programs um become an ambassador and treat your eyes like you want to treat your eyes. Um, Treat them best, uh, use clean water, um, don't rub your eyes so much and all that, all the other things. Um, Also be aware of how the global situation is, because I always see many Canadians traveling around, um, not so much to the US, but to the other countries. Um, And and if you travel around, uh, be this ambassador again, and know that you know two of the eight billion people, roughly at this on this planet, two point two million billion people have you know something with the eyes, and then one billion um, does not have an access to the healthcare we have in Canada or in the Netherlands, which is outrageous, you know. And of all these people, a few hundred million people have cataracts, and I know that. You know, some of the sources you can use uh, to to backfire these kind of uh, numbers I mentioned, you can find on the IAPB.org or at the WHO. Just to mention a few more, a few hundred million have this cataract and a little bit above 80% is curable just by an operation of 12 minutes by an ophthalmologist. Um, It's just a matter of money and it's just a matter of time. Um, and, and will also. <laughs> Sorry? And will. And will, and sometimes also resource. Um, you know, you have like 1,200 ophthalmologists um, in Canada, we just discussed before the program. Um, but just to mention some countries, how, how many ophthalmologists they have. You know, you have 40 million um, Canadians roughly, and, and, and around this 1,200 ophthalmologists but Tanzania, for instance, has six, 60 million people and just 70, 70 ophthalmologists. Yeah. Um, you know, Rwanda has just 17 ophthalmologists on thirteen million people. It's, it's nuts. Uh, and I can go on, go on. A comparable number of ophthalmologists is maybe Vietnam, which I know is roughly the same amount of ophthalmologists, but they have around 100 million Vietnamese, so they have 2.5 times more people. Um, So everywhere is a need for the professional uh, touching the eye or curing the eye. Um, So that's a need. So I I, I promised to break it up in several things. So first first part was to know and to have this knowledge and become an ambassador. The second one is to find People who help us cure and to, you know, inspire other people to become an ophthalmologist in the future. So maybe you know those the future generation, which is on the background sometimes on, in this program. We need to inspire them to become our future help. And then to make all of this possible now and tomorrow, um, people can always donate to the Eye Care Foundation. Um, and, and to, of course, all my colleagues. Uh, it always all comes to the same source. But the uh, But you, if you Google, you can still find it. You can always donate our, or discuss with us how you want to contribute. Uh, for us, uh, in many ways, it's possible sometimes.
0: Yeah, we're going to, I mean, when, when that episode comes live, of course, we're going to share, like, all the, all, all the links, like, I mean, in the, you know, web page, so people can easily reach out to you. Oh, thank you. Uh, Bjorn, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I want to take much more of your time. It was a great chat. It was a nice meeting you, and uh, congrats on, on what you do. Need more people like you doing things like that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, and, and good luck with your program. And, and it was very, very lovely to uh, uh, meet the Canadian people uh, who I really admire so much, especially there in Montreal. Um, thank you. And, uh, and I can't wait to travel again at the Sidalonga River um, at the amusement park uh, and drink a beer again. Yeah, me too. I, can, I can't wait to travel.
0: Normal life is, is it's coming. <laughs> thank you. All right. Take care. And that concludes today's episode of the Broad Eye Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, ratings and reviews are always welcome. And you can certainly share this episode with any of your colleagues or friends who might enjoy it. Thanks for listening.